Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We're glad you joined us today. We're located in Collinsville, Virginia. At Smith Memorial, our motto is simple, follow Jesus. We'd like to encourage you to check us out online, www.smithmemorialumc.com. There you can find out more information about us, opportunities to serve, and ways to support this ministry through giving. We pray that God would add blessing this day to the hearing and the doing of God's Word. vessels here on earth. For we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. This time I invite the children uh, to come forward. Miss Jordan will be leading us today.
Would you pray with me? O God, who is the Word made flesh, illumine our hearts and our minds this day to be receptive to your Word. Your Word that was not only for us, but the Word of Jesus Christ made flesh amongst us, your Word that is now with us. Be with this the hearing and the doing of your word. Amen. Join me in reading responsively Psalm 138, found on page 853 in the back of your hymnal or on the screen. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. Holy temple, and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. All the rulers of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. For they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For the Lord is high but regards the lowly. Yet knows the body from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand. O Lord, fulfill your purpose for me. O Lord, may your steadfast love endure forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands.
It's really a um, <clears throat> beautiful song to lead into our scripture lesson today as we listen to a community that's completely falling apart. <laughs> Let us turn our minds to the scriptures of 1 Corinthians 13 as Paul addresses this community, this divided community in the land of Corinth as he speaks to them a word of love. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love Never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, when the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, the greatest of these, is love. Friends, these are the words of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Let us pray. Faith, hope, and love abide. And the greatest of these is love. You have taught us, O oh God, to be loving, to do the loving thing, to act in such a way that love characterizes the body of your believers. And yet, O oh God, I'm certain it comes to no surprise of you. We don't always do that very well. But may we learn, O oh God, 
that the good news of the gospel to people who are sinners is not go and love. For people that are sinners, if that's the good news of the gospel, we stand condemned. For a part of our belief is that love is not something that comes natural to us. May we always remember the good news of the gospel is not go and love. The good news of the gospel is to recognize that while we are sinners, we have been loved. And may we delight in the knowledge of that truth. You know the sinfulness of my words and of my own being. And yet you still know the desires of my heart. May these words be fruitful to myself and to this congregation. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. It is a pleasure to see you all here today. I want to thank you for being here. For those that were here last week, you might recall that I have asked you I've asked you to make it a spiritual discipline these next few Sundays leading into our special call general conference as a people called Methodist. I've asked you to make these next few Sundays a spiritual discipline of being present. Being present. Present as the body. I want you to be present together as we process together the advice that Paul gives to his Corinthian church while it is going through an eternal divide concerning the divisions and diversity that have arisen within its ranks. Now friends, if you recall from last week, we were probing the depth of the issue that faced the church in Corinth and the actions that their members were taking against each other. We talked about how these members divided over various issues at various times were taking one another to court, raising lawsuits against one another, and how despite all the diversity and all the differences that the people of Corinth faced, this was the one that seemed to set Paul off the most. We spoke last week on why this troubled Paul so much. We noted that Paul was very strong in his belief that those outside of the church were incapable, incapable of acting in the just, gracious, and transformative way as those who are inside of the church are capable of doing because they have given themselves to the renewal of their minds and spirits. Paul seems to think that us, not just those some 2,000 years ago, that even the people who sit in these pews today 
are in fact being transformed by the renewing of their minds so that they might act more justly, more compassionately, and might reflect the transformative experience that you all have had in Christ. We ended our time together last week recalling how the church is indeed tough work. We talked about how the church is not easy, even though we really want it to be. The church as a people, precisely because of the radical call of Jesus Christ, cannot do what the world does. That means the church, precisely because of the radical call of Jesus Christ, cannot dismiss or shove aside members it does not like and those to whom it disagrees with. Instead, the church, the church is called to enter the struggle of hearing, using those gifts that God has given us, hearing each other, building relationships with each other, hearing and building relationships even with those we disagree with. Because apart from the whole body gathered together, we might find out some things, but it will not be the will of God. For God speaks through the whole body and not just one person with one thought. We are called, we talked about last week, to celebrate. We are called to celebrate that God is bringing in people from all walks of life. John tells us that no one comes to the Father except through Him. But John also tells us that those who come to the Father are drawn to the Father by the Father. We are called to celebrate that God is still in the business of bringing people into the life of faith. And it is not our responsibility to determine whether they are fit for it or not. Amen. When we look at God bringing people into the life of the faith, it suggests nothing to us besides this. The gospel is alive and well. The gospel is still nurturing, still transforming people on earth. The Apostle Paul tells us, and he tells his church that's struggling, he says, whatever strengthens the community of the church, that is to be sought, that is to be welcomed, and that is to be nurtured as God's good gift. And we ended by saying, if learning to celebrate our differences and our diversity as a people, going on, not yet there, but going on to perfection is hard, Paul says, let us still look to a more excellent way, the way of love. And that is what we will turn to for today. In chapter 12, we pick up this dissension that was present concerning the spiritual gifts and Paul's call to the oneness of the body. That was our text from last week. But, and Paul will return to that in chapter 14, but right in the middle of his discourse, 
he turns to chapter 13, a long discourse into love. Love as being the more excellent way for the community to form itself concerning its divisions. For most of us, for most of us, regardless of whether or not we are regular readers of the Bible, most of us, when you come across chapter 13, you would say, oh, that's the love chapter. Yes, it is. And I can't tell you how many countless weddings, countless weddings that I've been to or I've heard about or that have come to me and the couples have said when I've asked them, is there anything specific you want in your wedding? They said, please use the love chapter in our wedding." But friends, every time they ask me, my heart cringes just a little bit. I think in my mind, do you really want that? There are other verses out there that are much more suitable for a marriage than this one. Do you really want chapter 13? A colleague of mine recently wrote a piece on 1 Corinthians 13, and his words summarize much of what I think on this matter. His name was Jason Michelli, and in typical Jason style, he grounds this chapter by first considering a popular love song that I'm certain many of you would know for worse or perhaps for best. Now, if it all works, I'm about 100% sure that all of you will know this song if it plays. Now, Diane is very holy. And she has asked you all to sing a really holy song. But I like this song. I'll just, I'll just cheer right on in on it. Yeah. Y'all know this song? It's a good one. Listen to the words. Yeah, y'all can sing this one. It's okay. Dancers in the back. All right, you can cut it off. Y'all know that song? That's a good song. This is what Jason writes. Jason writes, I think Paul's ode to love is best approached from the vantage point of another song. The Pina Colada song. He asks, have you ever paid attention to those lyrics before? Now, most of you, if you remember the song, you know it by the Pina Colada song. But the, does anybody know the original name of the song? Escape. Escape. As in escape from marriage. 
It says, if you like pina coladas and walks in the rain. Have you, have you listened to the song and like understood what it's doing? You see, this man and this wife of Rupert Holmes' 1971 number one hit, it sounds flip about forsaking everything that brides and grooms vow to one another. Each of them, unsuspecting of the other, in this song, they each take out a wanted ad. Searching for someone that they perceive is perfect for them. A companion who likes the feel of the ocean and the taste of champagne. Jason writes, I guarantee that if your average wife stumbled across her man on Tinder, the ensuing dialogue would not be FCC friendly. <laughs> he then goes on to write, I'm pretty sure that if the husband ever reacted to having been found out by calling his wife lovely old lady, a parole hearing would soon follow. Jason writes, this song is about two imperfect people on the precipice of divorce. And if you pay attention to the lyrics, there is an ironic twist on what it means by the term of soulmate. Each one of these spouses respond to a wanted ad, and when they get together, they look at each other, what do they do? When they find out that each has responded to one another's wanted ads, what do they do? They laugh. And they say to one another, I never knew you liked getting caught in the rain. And then they laugh some more. Each of them laughs at their imperfect other that stood before them. You see, on the one hand, Jason says, Rupert Holmes' Escape is an awful love song, a ballad about betrayal narrowly adverted. But on the other hand, Rupert Holmes' hit single may be a better marriage song than a love song. After all, Escape is a pop song about being found out and being known in your weakness. And he says this, being found out and being known in your weaknesses, that is the very essence of marriage. Like Jesus on the cross. The crucible of marriage strips you from all of your defenses and disguises so that all your imperfections and insecurities are laid bare before the other to see. And he says that this is the precise reason why marriage requires vows. Because marriage makes you vulnerable. Not only is being known in our weaknesses the very essence of marriage, it just so happens to be the experience that sinners, humans like us, most loathe. Like Adam and Eve hiding in shame, we spend most of our lives hoping to avoid being found out as the frauds that we really are. Adam and Eve covered their shame with fig leaves. We do it today by filtering our lives through social media or by saying when our lives are falling apart, don't worry, I'm okay. The passion, as in the suffering of intimacy, isn't that we get to know someone as they really are. It's that I am known by someone else for who I really am. 
And Jason concludes by saying marriage, therefore. Marriage holds up a mirror. It holds the mirror not to your partner. It holds the mirror up to yourself and makes you to accommodate and to recognize the stranger that you call you. Marriage. Marriage constantly reflects back to us how far we fall short of the sort of love that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13. You see, Jason writes this piece as a reflection of marriage and the way if we are serious with ourselves, 1 Corinthians 13 doesn't necessarily supply us with the best piece of advice for a wedding ceremony. Because it is, if it is applied to ourselves, because once again, if we are honest with ourselves, the love that's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a love that if we have it, as the basis of our relationships that we form. If the love of 1 Corinthians 13 is the ideal that we hold ourselves to, to, if the love of 1 Corinthians 13 is the end all, be all of our relationships, even our relationships in the church, each of us, whether it's our marriage, or in our interactions with those we have entered into covenant relationship with. If chapter 13 is the end all be all. Then I promise you our relationships will fail. And the only reason. I don't know about you all. The only reason I know that to be true. The only reason I know that 1 Corinthians 13 as an ideal standard for my relationships that it, and if I hold that ideally to what I aspire to, that I will fail. The only reason I know that to be true is because I fail at it every day. I fail at it sometimes multiple times a day. There are times when I am hurt so bad, and there are times when I'm stubborn enough so bad that I don't want in the foreseeable future to be kind to be patient, or to be any of those other attributes anytime soon to another person. I cringe at those who want this as their ideal marriage because at the heart of this, the heart of this is a plea from Paul to his church which are on the verge of a great divorce. And what I have found over the years when working with those on the verge of a divorce is that a long list of commands is not helpful. When you have people who come to the place where they can no longer deal to be with the other person in front of them, the last thing they desire is to be told by someone else to work it out. The last thing they want to hear when they are in this place is that they must be loving, that they must be patient, that they must be kind, that they must be unenvious. No one who is hurting needs to be commanded to be anything. 
need to be reminded of who they are. 1 Corinthians isn't a list of commands to a church on the verge of divorce. 1 Corinthians 13 is a list of possibilities because of the good news that Christ has loved you patiently. Christ has loved you kindly. Christ has loved you unenviously. Christ has loved you in your weakness. Christ has loved you despite your weakness. Christ has loved you in your sin. And Christ has loved you despite your sin. Christ has loved you despite your ability to be loving. Christ has loved you despite your ability to love him back. You see, there's a huge difference in being told in the midst of your despair to go and to love and being told in the midst of your despair that you are loved. So what does that have to do with bridging the gap we find ourselves in? When we as a church are able to be found out for who we really are, and what I mean by that is that when we walk into the church and we are more comfortable being our true selves than we are the other six days of the week, then like the couple in the Pina Colada song, we are able to see one another for who we really are. And to find out perhaps the same people that sat on our pew that we disliked or couldn't agree with are actually the same people that when it all came down to it, we found out we really loved. That we're able to move forward with practicing and with sharing this love with others that we have received. The challenge of the church today is that we have been consumed by the shortcomings of other people and other groups to the point that we bolster our positions of righteousness which prevent us from being able to love. I'll say that one more time. The challenge of the church today is that we have been so consumed by the shortcomings of other people or other groups to the point that we have boistered ourselves and our own righteousness to the point where we are unable to love. Love, Paul wants to argue for this Corinthian church. Love is only, love is only the product of those who have been found wanting and have received good news. You are loved. Love isn't a moral command. It is a divine, uh, a divine statement. God isn't telling you to go love. God is telling you, you are loved. And that is the breeding ground of the gospel. If Christ can love me while I am in my sin, Might I then 
Share that same news with others. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.